If you'll turn with me to James 5, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11 today. We're getting close. One more, one more message in James, Lord willing, after today, and then we're going to do a series on uh, just some cultural uh, things that are going on in America, and, and I want to give us a, a biblical response to the cultural, uh, some of the cultural issues and, and uh, cultural hot potatoes, if you will, that, that we see in our culture today and are probably being talked about in the community and at work and things like that. I want to make sure we can have a, a biblical response to those, to those things. But James, James chapter 5, verse 7 through 11, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. You too be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We count them blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. Two, two weeks ago, we, we looked at James 5, 1 through 6, and we said that, that God is going to judge our lives. He's going to judge us on how we have stewarded our riches. Have we hoarded them or have we used them for His glory? Have we used them on ourselves or have we used them to serve the Lord? And, and, and whenever, we, whenever I preach, uh, and I understand as long as I go and I go too long, but there's still so much more that I could have said. There's so many verses that just fall on the threshing floor, if you will, that just have to be cut out. And tying last week's sermon, or two weeks ago, we were, we were in the Dominican last week, and I appreciate Kelly Knauss for opening the word with you. Uh, two weeks ago, we, we talked about this. Look, in, in 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19, Paul writes, and it really ties in with, with what we're saying this week and with, with next week. Obviously, James is one letter. He has one purpose, and he... Paul really brings it all together here, even in 1 Timothy 6. He said, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix the hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. We, we said a couple of weeks ago, riches in and of themselves are not sin. You will not see that in the Word of God. It's how we deal with the riches that becomes the sin. Clearly, Paul right here says, the danger with the riches is that we fix our hope on them. The danger with riches is that we become conceited and we think we've done that instead of God doing that in us. Paul clearly says he gives us all things to enjoy. But listen to this. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they will take hold of that which is life indeed. Paul also says part of, part of the joy of riches, part of the, the blessing of riches is sharing. It's seeing others blessed by with what you've been given. He says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. I, I, I am grateful to say that I, I pastor a church that is, that is very generous. 
you, we were very generous with our gifts toward Pasitos and, and our team. We're going to share next week, Lord willing, uh, put some photos together and show you what all happened in Pasitos and, and, and have a, a few people share testimonies about what went on at Pasitos. But, but we had a rich week. And, and I believe that we were a tremendous blessing uh, to the girls uh, at that orphanage. This, this church and, and Kobe Orr and the leaders, I, I don't, I'm not bragging, but this church is one of the few churches that has poured singularly its resources into Pasitos. And, and that was, I think, our fourth trip down there. And it's always neat to see the girls are starting to remember you and they look forward to seeing you. And, and uh, th- this is a church that is rich in good works. That is rich in its generosity. And, and Paul... James is, is building on that this week in, in verses 7 and, and, and his response. We saw last week that there were rich brothers and sisters, that there were rich people in the world who were mistreating their fellow brothers and sisters, that as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, they had become conceited regarding their wealth. They had hoarded their wealth, that they were withholding wages from workers who had honestly earned their wages. And what James gives us today is how do you respond to that? How do you respond to mistreatment? How do you respond as a believer when it seems like evil is winning? When, when, when sinners are supposedly getting away with their sin? When, when in this case, people are hoarding their, hoarding their wealth, and these workers, we said, they, they relied on that wealth. They relied on the daily bread. They, they relied on the wages that that worker would have paid them to feed their family that night. It, it wasn't, oh, okay, don't worry, I got, I got a bunch over here in the bank. You get with me when you can. No, it was, I, I have to buy bread on my way home to feed my family. When, when we're persecuted... When, when believers suffer, when even we suffer at the hands of each other, how do we respond? And that's what James is addressing today. And, and he's, he's talking about endurance. He's talking about patience. Ne- neither one of which are words that we look forward to hearing about. We, we want patience, and, but we want patience now. Like, I want you to, te- God, teach me to be patient now. Well, I'm teaching to be patient while you wait on you learning to be patient. Now, I want to be now. And what James is going to say is we need to be patient. But, but what I want us to see today and what jumped out at me from this text is what we as believers have is a hope-inspired patience. It's a hope-inspired patience. The, the main point, I, I want us to walk out here with one point. You see it on your handout. Believers are to patiently endure in the midst of persecution, knowing Christ's return is imminent and the reward is certain. I, I thought about this when we were in the Dominican last week. You, you go to the Dominican, it's, it, it's, it's different. You, you don't have to go anywhere to see poverty. We, we, we stayed in a beautiful house, but the only air condition that house had were in the rooms. And let's just say it didn't function up to the quality that which we're used to air conditioned functioning. You know, we, we, we ate different foods, some of it better than others. We had, the same, we had variety of lunches. We had ham and cheese sandwiches on one day, and to throw it up, we had cheese and ham sandwiches on the next day. And I thought about this. You know, it's different. 
Everything about the culture is different. And it, it can be a shock to the system, but, but here, here's, here, here's, what, here's what makes it possible. Every single, all 34 of us knew that, hey, on Sunday we were going back to America. Hope inspired patience. It was the certainty of, hey, there's a time I'm going back to, I'm going back. I, we, you, know what, you know what I learned about myself? I, you can endure, I can endure just about anything when there's a promise of, when there's a hope and there's a promise that on a certain date, it's changing. Many of you have been on mission trips. I've been fortunate to go on a lot of mission trips. Very, very different cultures. Somewhere I, I didn't feel safe the whole time I was there. Some like the Dominican where you feel very safe while you're there. I've slept in places that, that I would not choose to sleep. I've eaten foods that I would rather not have had to eat. But here's the deal. You know why I could do that? Because I knew I was going home. We left Terry and Joanne Ingot there, permanent missionary. They're down there permanently. That's not the case for them. That's their home. They've been down there five weeks. They're getting used to a new culture, a new language, new everything. But, but it's the same hope-inspired endurance that causes them to get up every day and serve at Pesitos that, that hopefully is going to, after today's word, you'll see is inspiring us. And no matter what we face, no matter wrongs, no matter the injustices, no matter what, what James is saying here is endure because there's coming a day where your reward is certain. There's coming a day where the injustice and the persecution and the trials and all that we see in this world because of sin will be, will be absolved. James has told us time and time again, even back in chapter 1, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance. Endurance. We, we have to be a people who, who look at trials and look at struggles and look at this world as we've seen time and time again through godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom. We've got to look at it through the Word. The, the patience and endurance, you, you, as I read, you see it incurs over and over. Verse 7, verse 8, verse 10, verse 11, nearly every passage in this section talks about either endurance or patience. But what he's saying, and what I was, as I was in the Dominican, and, and I felt like what the Lord taught me was that patience and endurance, for, for them to be real, for them to truly have an effect on our lives, for them to truly impact us, they have to be rooted somewhere. There, there's got to be an end. And, and, and that's what James is saying. It, our patience and our endurance, it's tied to an event. It's tied, as he sees and we'll see, on the, uh, to the coming of the Lord. What James, again, what James shows us here is that patience and endurance, the patience and endurance that sinners are called for, that, I mean, that believers are called for, is a hope-inspired endurance. It's a hope-inspired endurance. And it's based on the character and it's based on the return of the Lord. It is, an, it is an attitude, the endurance, the patience, it's an attitude that is fueled by a biblical perspective on the world. It's a biblical outlook. It's reminding ourselves that one day our affliction will cease. 
It's reminding ourselves of what Paul said in Romans 8.18 that he says, I do not consider the present sufferings worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. That's why Paul could endure. That's why we can endure. And the word patience here, what struck me, the hope inspired, it's, this is not a just, well, this is my lot in life. I guess I just got to deal with it and, and trudge through it. And this, that's, not, that's not the word. The, the word Paul uses here is long-tempered. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. It, it enables us to tolerate something or someone for a long time, knowing God will reward it in the end. And what James says, he says, Be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. There's a day coming where all of our wrongs, everything we suffered, it will all be worth it. That's what he's saying. And and everything about this passage, everything about our patience, everything about our endurance, if you dig down in the the Greek, in the original, it points to the character of God. Our, Our patience and our attitude of endurance is rooted in the character of God. We, we respond this way because of His character, and, 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 and that is how He responds to us. Listen to Psalm 86.15. This is our memory verse. But you, O Lord, are a, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. You see the character of God. Look, listen to Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. Psalm 145, verse 8. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. You say, well, that's great in the Old Testament. Same thing as in the New Testament. Listen to Romans 2, verse 4. Or do you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Romans 9, 22, he says the same thing. He says, What if God, though willing to demonstrate His wrath and make His power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? 1 Peter 3, 9. But you... That's 2, 9. 3, 9. Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you are called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. We're patient because we've been the recipient of patience. We're gracious with others because our Heavenly Father has first been gracious with us. We're merciful because we serve a God who is first merciful to us. We're we're giving to others. We're to be patient. Why? Because that's what He's shown to us. You, you can look at Jeremiah fifteen fifteen. the same thing. He's so patient with our faults. You can look at 1 Peter 2, 20. He says, For what credit is there when you sin and are harshly treated and endure it with patience? But, if when you, but when you do what is right and suffer for it and you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. We're, we're patient with the sin of others. We're patient with mistreatment. We're patient with these things. Why? Because He was first patient with us. It goes back to the character of God. And and this is not, if you're like me, this is not your natural response to people who irritate. The the attitude that doesn't flourish automatically with me is patience. When traffic is bad, it's convicting. 
because my kids have caught on real quick and my kids in traffic or crazy, they'll respond and Karen's looking at me like, hmm, I wonder who they got that from. It's convicting. Come on. You know, like that, that person doesn't care. They don't even hear you. I'm not patient. But worldly wisdom, God, worldly wisdom says retaliate. Worldly wisdom says bite back. Worldly wisdom says take matters into your own, and, and own hands and get back. Godly wisdom says wait patiently. Godly wisdom says endure. Godly wisdom, in, it says give sacrificially, sacrificial mercy. Give, give at your own cost. Godly wisdom says, you know what? There's coming a day where, where the sinful and those who are your enemies will not, they will not endure. The end is coming. Payday for them is coming. Jesus is coming back and He's going to deal with it. You can look at Psalm 37. You can look at Psalm 73. Both of those passages deal with believers who are looking out of the world and seemingly it seems that the, the, their enemies, that the world is winning. That sinners are getting away with their sin. You, you look and look all through that, all through both of those psalms, and what is he saying? He's saying, "Don't give up." See, I want God to be patient with my sin, but what I don't want is Him to be patient with other people's sin. He was very patient with me and my sin, and sometimes He's being all the time He's being patient with other people's sin. And sometimes, as a believer, we can become conceited. We can become arrogant with regards to our, the patience that we demand of the Lord and not want others to receive the same and, and feel like they're winning. And what James is saying is be patient, endure. Judgment is coming. But at the same time, he's reminding them of the character of God that he promised that he would return and deal with everything. He says, be patient until the coming of the Lord. What, what was the hope-inspired endurance? What was the hope-inspired patience? The event that, that flourished their patience, that, that fueled their endurance, was the returning of the Lord. The promise of the return of the Lord provided a hope, and listen, that had a sanctifying effect on everyday life. The promise of the return of the Lord affected every day of their life. And I think that's what's missed oftentimes in our lives. The reality that the Lord is coming back changed everything about how they lived on a day-to-day -day basis. And what James reminds them here, he says, hey, because of, because of their end, James says, do not envy the rich. Do not envy the world. Do not envy those who fall in the trap of living according to worldly pursuits. Why? Because the judge is standing at the door, he says. And with that, he says, not only don't envy, the, don't envy the things of the world, he says, God is the avenger of any wrongs, any wrongs that you and I suffer. You know why he says don't worry about it? You can look all, all the way to Romans 12. He says, you let the Lord deal with, the, with vengeance. You let the Lord deal with repaying them. Because he'll do it justly, he'll do it rightly, and he'll do it at the proper time. Look, look at verse 9. He says, Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. He says, There is, there is a hope-inspired patience and endurance. And it's the return of the Lord. And, and James illustrates the patience 
and, and the endurance that he's talking about with, with a farmer, with the prophet, and with Job. Listen, all three, beautiful illustrations, all three of these would have planted in one season and they would have reaped in an entirely different season. All three of these would have, would have planted here and would have had a long season between when they planted and when they reaped the harvest. All three of them. They had to wait. They had to be patient. And their hope, their patience, their endurance was, was fueled in the character of God. See, the farmer, the farmer is responsible for sowing seeds in the field, for tilling the ground, for doing everything that he could do to make sure that he reaped a good harvest. But once he's done his part, guess what? He has to wait. The farmer can't control how that seed is received in the ground. The farmer can't control the, the, the early and late rains that James talks about here. He had to be patient. And the farmer was forced to look expectantly for something that he had no control over when it happened or even if it happened. He, he recognized that, that the fruit was not simply a product of his own effort, but it was, dependent on, it was dependent on God. And he had to be patient. And James, that is the point that James makes in, in verse 7 about the character of God. You see, look in verse 7. The farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until he gets the early and the late rains. If we're not careful, we pass right over that. Every single Old Testament reference that's, that quotes the early and the late rains is in a text affirming the trustworthy character of God. Every single Old Testament text that, that mentions the early and late rains is in a passage that is affirming the trustworthy and the unchanging character of our God. That's what James is saying. You, you can look at Deuteronomy eleven fourteen. He says the same. He's is an example. Listen, I'll read it. He says, in a passage talking about the character of God, he says, "He will give the rain for your land in its season, the early and the late rain, that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil." It's character of God. You can look at Joel 2.23, the same thing. James is saying this, if you could trust God to provide the rain, then can't you trust God that He's going to come back if He says He's coming back? If you can, if you can sow and you can plant and you can all do, do all these things and you can trust that God is going to bring the rains. And by the way, James is writing to the Jews who would have had a history of God's faithfulness to look back at. He's saying, if you can trust with the rains, you can trust and endure when you suffer wrongly. God will be faithful. You can trust the same character of God that brought the, lanes, the rains to bring, to bring the reward. And, and here's, what, here's what James is saying. And, he, and while we endure, you say, well, do I just sit back? No, that's not, that's not what the farmer did. What James is saying is we must be obedient to the word. That's our part. While we wait, we are to be obedient to the Word, and then we have to wait patiently for God to, to be faithful to His Word. That's His part. We have a part. He has a part. The farmer just doesn't get a produce. He doesn't just get a harvest. He works for it. He works. He farms. He tills constantly. 
But at the end of the day, he's trusting the Lord. And that is exactly where James's readers found themselves. That's where some of us find ourselves. Is waiting. And when, before we left to go to the Dominican, and, and when you go to these countries, it's very easy to become overwhelmed. It's very easy to look out at the landscape and feel overwhelmed and, and feel, you know, what are we doing? Is it, is it making a difference? Is the, is, the, is the elephant so large that there's just nothing? I mean, there's 48 girls in this orphanage who need to be fed, educated. To, I have a hard time raising two kids. There's 48 girls. At times, there's been as many as 60. And it's very easy to, to look out and just think, man, this is overwhelming. Before we left, Kelly Stewart, she's not, she's not here today to, to hear this, but... Kelly Stewart is a, is a phenomenal writer. She, she traveled around, and, and she might still, with Compassion International, with Sean Groves, and, and Compassion International, obviously you can sponsor children through their, through their organization, and, and my wife and I uh, sponsor a few children through Compassion as, as well as SCORE, and she, she traveled around, and she was in a foreign country, and I can't remember the one, but she was looking out, and she had that feeling, and she asked Sean, Grove, Sean Groves, how do you deal with this? Such, a, such an overwhelming task, such a daunting task. In the, in the face of, of seemingly you know, insurmountable odds, obstacles, just the backgrounds you're dealing with. You know, even we, we take our American expectations. You know, when we're in America, if there's a problem, we've got resources and, and connections and we can solve it like that. Most of our problems, if we're honest, we've got the resources to just deal with it. That's not the case in these foreign countries. And when, when you're faced with the reality day after day that you do your part and you've got to trust the Lord to be faithful to His character. And Kelly was looking out of that. And, and, and Sean, Kelly asked Sean Groves, how do you deal with this? This is overwhelming, and here's what Sean Grove said. And these words, I read them before we got on the plane, and they stuck with me the whole time we were in Dominican. And even as I've gotten back, opportunity has been to share. And, and here's what Sean Grove said, and, he, and here's what I believe James is saying and reminding us today. Hope is slow. Hope is slow. Ch change can be slow. The farmer planted in one season... There's a long time before he reaped that harvest. Slow. The prophets would speak against sin over here, and they would say, hey, there's coming a day where the Lord is going to judge. For all those days, nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened, and then the Lord's character was faithful to judge. Slow. You think about Noah. Hey, build an ark in the middle of the desert. It's never rained. Hey, it's gonna. Hey, build this big old boat sitting in the middle. What? Hope is slow. For all those years, he was faithful and built and built and built. Guess what? One day, God's faithful, God's character was proven to be faithful and it rained. Hope is slow. When, when we suffer for doing what is right, James says, patiently endure it and keep being obedient. 
Stand firm, he says. Look at verse 8. You be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Literally, he says, stand firm. While you wait, you know what he says? Grow your faith. While you wait, learn of the character of God. Strengthen your hearts with the character of God, with the knowledge of His Word. Because here's the tendency. While we wait, if we're honest, the tendency for all of us is to grow weary. And, and, and all throughout the Word of God, listen to this, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. If we're honest, wouldn't that be what all of us face, grow we- growing weary? The challenge of growing weary? Even as, even as we wait on the Lord, the challenge. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, Paul was dealing with, with, with the coming of the Lord and issues. And, and he says, For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord to work in a quiet fashion and eat of their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. In that day, they were just like, hey, we'll do whatever we want. The Lord has come or He is coming. We don't need to worry about it. Paul is saying that's not the case. Here's what James is saying. Don't slack off. As we wait... Don't slack off. Don't lose steam. The tendency is for us to lose steam. The tendency is for us to just let go. The tendency of us who are swimming upstream constantly is to just call off the dogs and just float, float away with the rest of the culture. Why? Because hope is slow. Change is slow. The reward that we get for our endurance and our patience seems like it will never come, but God says it's coming. It seems as if the Lord will never return. He says He's coming. Look at verse 9. James is saying, Fix your gaze on Christ. Expect His return. Live in light of His return. Do not complain against one another so that you yourselves will not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. The, The reality is this. Our Lord could come back at any moment. At any moment. Nothing in history needs to happen. Nothing else. Behold, He is standing at the door Waiting to return. Entering, as while I was down in the Dominican, I was studying in, in Romans, and I, I came across this passage, and it's, it's always interesting to me, you've read texts before, and, and certain times in your life, passages will just jump off the page. And, and in Romans 13, 11, Paul writes, Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in... I, that's verse 13, sorry. Verse 11, 13, 11. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Here's the thing. The Lord's return is one day closer today than it was yesterday. I'm one day closer to either meeting Him face to face through death or meeting Him in the air, in the air depending on what your eschatology is, and when He returns. I'm one day closer Paul is saying, fuel your faith with the fact that today you're one day closer to meeting your Savior. You're one day closer to the consummation of our salvation and its purposes. Don't grow weary. Don't tire in doing good. Be patient. Endure. 
with what we celebrated today, with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, with the, the spirits pouring out on, in our lives at Pentecost. We're in the last days, the Bible says. We're looking for our bride to return, our groom to return. We're the bride. And while we wait, as we've mentioned, there, there are two dangers, and, and James deals with them here, and I, and I want to show us real quickly. I think because, because it's, it's been 2,000 years, these guys expected the Lord to return in their life. It's, it's been a long time. And as we wait patiently, as we endure, there's a couple of dangers that, that we as God's people face. And they're there on your handout. A couple things. We, we, we can come to the opinion that the Lord's return isn't going to happen anytime soon, and therefore it has no impact on our lives. It is so far in the future that it has zero impact on our lives. And that's where in Second Peter, Peter was dealing with that in verse 11. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people are you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the Lord, which, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by the burning and the elements will melt with intense heat? He's saying, conduct your lives even today in holiness and godliness. You don't know when he's coming back. I don't know. So, so one of the dangers is, to, is just to live an undisciplined life, saying, you know what, that's so far future, it has zero impact on my life. I'm just going to live however I want to live and, and deal with it. But the, the second danger is this. And we read it in, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, we read it. That, that the coming of the Lord could disrupt what you're to do day to day. That, that, that we, we, we allow the Lord's return to disrupt our everyday living and our duties because they don't, we think they don't matter because the Lord is coming soon. They do matter. And, and all throughout the Gospels you see Paul dealing with, with believers who were beginning to live undisciplined lives. Even in the face of opposition, James's readers are experiencing what, prof, what the prophets and what Job experienced. You know what he says? Stand firm. Endure. Be patient. In, in Matthew 5, 12, Jesus encouraged his disciples and said, Hey, here's the good news. In the same way they persecute me, guess what you get? Persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. Persecuted. James is saying, this is nothing new. You're going to be persecuted because our king. So how do we deal with that? That's what James is dealing with. And, and he says, remember the prophets. Listen, listen to what Hebrews 34 says about them. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Do, do you see how it was a hope-inspired patience? It was a hope-inspired endurance. What were they looking for? They were looking to the future, the Lord's return. Therefore, they said, hey, I can joyfully receive anything. Why? Because the Lord is coming. You look at Hebrews eleven thirteen. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and welcomed them from a distance, having confessed that they were stranger and exiles. If in, in look at verse fifteen, and indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it was, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. How could they endure? Because he knew they, had a, they knew they had a return. They knew they had a city that was 
waiting for them. They knew what Philippians 3 says, that they're not citizens of this world, they're citizens of another world. You, you can look at Hebrews eleven thirty two and following, and, and it says, verse 39, I'll sums it up, all these having gained approval through their faith did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us they would not be made perfect. They saw it from afar, and it changed the way they lived. It, it was a hope-inspired endurance. What were they looking for? They were looking for the return of their Savior. They were looking to the faithfulness and the, and the character of a God that is unchanging. James has already said that, that, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down for the Father of lives, from whom there is no variation or shifting of shadows. It's character. The farmer and the prophet, they all kept their gaze on what was to come. And they trusted in the character of God. And what James is saying to, to his readers and, and what he's saying to us is this. We've said it before. We cannot try to determine who God is based on our circumstances. If you look at your circumstances and you try to determine the character of God from your circumstances, you're going to misevaluate the character of God. Instead, we have to evaluate our circumstances based on who we know God to be. That's what James is saying. We count those blessed who endured, James says in verse 11, you have heard of the endurance of Job and seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. The, the return of the Lord provides God's people with a living hope. That's what Peter says in, in 1 Peter 1.13. He says, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our Redeemer lives. We have a living hope. The same God who saw the prophets through, the same God who saw Job through, who was faithful then, is faithful now. The same God who faithfully walked every single one of the apostles through death or imprisonment is faithful today to walk us through with whatever we, whatever we face. The same God who redeemed Job from his situation is the same God who will redeem us one day from ours, if not tomorrow, in the future. That's what James is saying. He's saying what Romans 8.18 says that I've quoted, that the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. And if we don't hear, if you don't, if you walk around, walk away from here and you don't hear anything else today, here's, here's, here's what we could sum all this up with. Here's what James is saying at the end of the day. If you're suffering today, if you're being persecuted for your faith today, if you're being ostracized from your faith, if you're, if you're going through, some of us in here are just going through struggles in, in what it means to live in a sinful world, whether it's cancer or all these other things. Here's what James is saying. Whatever you're going through today is not the end of your story. It's not the end of your story. As a believer, God will one day make it all worthwhile. One day God will transform our situations for good when Christ returns. Do you see the hope-inspired patience? 
You see the fuel behind the patience and the endurance that we're called to live. One day, one day it will all be worth it. One day the accounts will be settled and it will all be made right. What the, what the, the believers faced in Psalm 37 and in Psalm 73, seemingly that the, the world was winning, that evil was winning, they're reminded that the, the Lord is near, that He's standing at the door. It, 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 so not only good news for the believer that you're, this is not the end of the story, but here's the deal. If you're not believing in Jesus Christ today for the forgiveness of your sins... I would say the same thing to you, that the judge is standing at the door. You have no idea when he's returning. We have no idea when we might be called into account for our sins. And when we stand before him, there's only two options. The entrance into heaven is, is it's, it's through the blood, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You will either be judged for your sin, or you will point to Jesus Christ who was judged for your sin. Because the same, the, same, the same hope that the return of Christ invokes in believers ought to produce fear if you're not believing because He could return at any moment. And every single one of us are going to stand and give an account for our sins. And you can be judged for them yourself or they can fall upon Jesus Christ. But while we wait, I encourage us, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't fade away. Finish strong. The, the, what you're going through right now is not the end of your story. There is coming a day when it will all be worth it. And that you won't even mention the sufferings because of the glory that is to be revealed in you.